Hello and welcome to podcast number two of Pass the Cast, the advice and discussion show for members of the National Student Television Association, produced by PASTA, the NASTA alumni organisation. This time round we're all about the weekend. Not any weekend, the weekend. The NASTA Awards and Conference Weekend. Each year at this time, NASTA stations are invited to bid for the right to stage the event. So if your station is considering pitching for it, or if you're listening to this after you've been named as host, congratulations by the way, this past the cast is just for you. Joining me this week is Hugh Blackstaff, formerly of XTV Exeter, who was NASTA 40 host coordinator and is now a full-time conference manager. I spoke with Hugh this week and I began by asking him, what are the basics you need to have in place in order to host NASTA? I think the biggest thing that, that needs to be thought about is can you fully commit to hosting a conference, both on a personal level and for the rest of your team? From my experience, it does become all-consuming. You are thinking about it every single day. You are answering emails, phone calls constantly. If you cannot balance organising the conference with your own academic work, with your social life, with anything else it's just not going to work. It will be reflected in, in, the, uh, in the event that you produce. If you commit to it fully and are able to put the effort in, the extra effort in, as well as you know, finishing your degree like I, you know, I managed to do, then you will deliver a, a truly fantastic event. It is the, it's the micromanagement side that people seem to forget, the actual hours sitting, answering emails, answering phone calls, running meetings and and everything else to do with kind of the day-to-day running. Now, on the face of it, it's it can seem an overwhelming task, and it can sometimes feel overwhelming when you're actually in the middle of it as well. But at this stage... It still is. It's constantly overwhelming. <laughs> at this stage, obviously, you've got your, your main checklist. There are the things that you should be looking at in terms of likely venue, likely accommodation, and so on. How important was it for yourself when you were at the initial planning stage to get your team together, mm. how important was it to, to delegate, to have a team that you could rely upon for the whole year? Hugely. Frankly, I wouldn't have been able to do my job if I didn't have my team. In fact, you know, I would never consider the NASTA 40 conference as a solo effort. It was a combination of sheer enthusiasm, outstanding teamwork and just unbelievable tenacity and dedication. Having that team there with everybody having their defined roles, having people being able to work together, um, you know, in pairs or on their own or on mass, it's it's hugely important because if you are the host coordinator, you need to be able to set out tasks and you need to be able to trust your guys to the end of the earth, and um, because they're the ones that are making the phone calls to the suppliers or speaking to judges or. Um, arranging for awards to be delivered, they're dealing with all of the the areas that that you don't need to concern yourself with on an intimate level. Um, obviously, as a host coordinator, you are responsible for the entire thing, but the actual day to day dealing of 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 you know with suppliers, awards makers, etc., you have to be able to trust your team in order to do it. At no point should you ever have to step in and say, right, you can't do this. I'm going to take over. You need to construct your team really, really carefully. You need to be able to work together um, because it is going to get very tense. You are going to have to ask people to put aside their own issues, their own, such as academic work, and their own social life, give up their own time to work for you. 
and you need to be able to do that for them you need to be able to commit 100% to them and you need to be working with them and you need to be you know identifying the problems as and when they arrive you need to be you know on it every single day and having that team there that you can trust that will back you up that will deliver uh, as you expected them to is 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 vital i would say it's the most important aspect of of organizing a master conference is to have that team now we'll look at the specifics in a second in terms of all the different component parts of the weekend but it's worth just emphasizing at this point especially if you are listening to this say in the spring and you are considering your station is considering bidding to be NASA host in any particular year yes it is a lot of work but it's also an immense privilege and it's something which very very few stations actually get to do even if you're doing a free or in some places a four-year course very very few people actually get the experience of hosting NASA and it is something quite special isn't it Oh yeah, there, there's nothing else like it. I mean, the the only the only comparison that I truly have was was when I was working at the Olympic Games in terms of the the size and the scale of what we were trying to achieve. Yes, it was in the microcosm of university, but we approached it in we wanted it to not be just a student event. We didn't want it to be a you know run of the mill, cut and paste by the numbers student event done by a student union we wanted to go out and make a professional event for current and uh, future television professionals we approached it from the the only equivalent we ever drew to the event was these are the student tv baftas it's the easiest way to explain it to anyone when 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 you had to uh, who doesn't understand what nasta is you know, comparing it to other student events, you know, I, I don't really want to name names, but other student media events is pointless. Um, frankly, uh, we have to maintain our own identity. Uh, we didn't want to just do what the same people do year on, year out. Um, you're not going to progress as uh, an individual, as a team, as a, a university student TV station or, or as an organisation if you don't try and make every single year exceptionally different and and build and progress. Okay, well, before we have a look at some of the specific components, you're in April, May, early June. You've got the summertime ahead of you. How best to utilize your time over the course of the summer? What can you practically do without your time around you and without being in touch with the other stations and so on? How best to use your time in those sort of two, two and a half months? This is this is the point that you can do as much internal planning as you possibly can, uh, you know, working out the logistics of you know, how it's going to work within your university, within your student union and, and within your student TV station. You have an uncluttered campus to be able to walk around, take as many photos, you know, walk around with your team, walk around on your own. You can get to know the union staff who maybe have a little bit more free time to uh, to work with you. You can ask all the questions, all the clever questions, all the stupid questions. And believe me, there are a lot of stupid questions. (laughs) I asked most of them. This is the time that you can really go big with the ideas. You can think about the craziest, most ridiculous stuff, because when it boils down to it and you start approaching the practicalities, you're actually able to build in the practical elements a lot easier rather than just continuing with big, ridiculous ideas um, that, that, that you started off with. This is the time where you can openly discuss pretty much everything that you would like to do. 
uh, everything that you would want to try and do and actually to to have frank and honest discussions relating to budget relating to everything from ticket prices because that is always a huge flashpoint for people is the ticket prices you know this this is an opportunity for you to to build up the relationships with the people within your university the people that are able to uh, to help facilitate your event get to know the uh, the suppliers that they use get to know the people that run the IT systems get to know the people that can offer you the technical assistance and the broadcast this is the time where you're able to do as much planning as you possibly can because as soon as that new term starts and as soon as you're actually having to interact with the exec on a more substantial basis as well as other uh, student TV stations and the ball begins to roll and things start beginning to happen you need to have as broad as extensive plans as you possibly can you know with as much detail as possible as well to make your delivery stage uh, as efficient uh, and as smooth as possible. What were the main issues for which you had communication from stations? What were the main issues that stations got in contact with you about over the course of the 12 months? I think again it was it it goes back to, to tickets and pricing on our internal side obviously the budget was a was a huge you know, was hugely important and we actually wanted to to deliver the best possible conference that we could. I think that was probably the biggest issue that, that, that we had was when we were actually deciding how we were going to uh, price up uh, and how we were going to able, you know, to, to get the students and to get the, the, the delegates to the event. I mean, obviously, you know, we wanted student prices, you know, these are, you know, we, we were all students, you know, we didn't want to be paying through the nose for an event that, that you know, perhaps didn't reflect what we were paying for. We offered wider range of tickets, you know, covering one to two nights of accommodation and single or or double accommodation. We offered conference only tickets, which enabled people to um, to just go to the conference and the awards dinner. We offered as much information as we possibly could to to explain why tickets were the the price that they were. Mainly, we wanted to not really make too much on on the previous year's tickets. In fact. The original tickets, the original ticket prices were the same amount as the the full tickets were for the year before. We then increased that very, very slightly over the next coming months. Uh, We did an early bird and then we did another sort of slight increase and then we did a slight increase again. The reasons for this was to to, to make our budget work for what we were trying to deliver. Um, You know, we didn't want to do this cheaply. But there are ways of delivering an, an exceptional, prestigious event, which I unashamedly feel that we did on a budget. You know, there there are ways of getting a lot of things that don't cost a lot of money. And I think in, in terms of this, you know, the, the big piece of advice I can offer is don't neglect the idea of sponsorship in kind and giving people branding opportunities, you know, in discounts on food or wine or accommodation or you know whatever it may be um, you know getting things for free working we work very very closely internally with the University of Exeter because we pointed out to them that this was not an event that this was not just a student event this was a, a, a professional level event this is what we were trying to do this was an event that we wanted to to be bigger than just you know an event at the university we wanted this to become a brand we wanted this to become an event that would be remembered for a very very long time we wanted this event to be the best that NASTA has ever produced. It sounds like a brag, but you know that's how we set out from the word go. We wanted to be the best that we possibly could. And we had to do some very, very challenging sums, for me anyway, 
challenging sums to 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 make sure that we could afford everything whilst keeping it affordable for for our delegates and i think that's part of the overall process for the year it's not that you just draw up a budget on no. day one and then say okay well we've got to stick to this budget come what may yeah yeah things change over the course of time and if you find that you can get freebies and you can get local sponsors and so on extra material yeah extra material for the welcome pack or whatever it may be when we first sort of you know began to actually sort of work with the budget we actually made a point of we wanted to make it a very local local event we wanted to try and get local companies within Exeter to be involved. Um, you know, we had a taxi service involved. We worked really closely with with you know organisations on the campus itself. We worked with with local companies, you know, run by local people. <laughs> Sounds all very League of Gentlemen. We did work very very hard to to keep the costs down. However, you know, things do change. Prices do go up. Prices also do go down. As organisers of this event. You have to be tremendously flexible because plans do change. Planning over the summer is the best possible opportunity you've got to identify the things that will and won't work because you don't want to be faced sort of by Christmas finding things that you're making plans that that, that just aren't going to work and you've lost three, four months. It sounds like an obvious thing to say, but it's especially helpful, particularly for stations considering a bid at this mm-hmm. time of year, that you're not starting off with a blank sheet of paper you have a template from which you begin and although you've got a lot of different items on your checklist you're not being asked to reinvent the wheel so we no, have to look not. at some of those we have to look at some of those key areas just now because of course these are the areas that you want to get nailed down from as early as possible beginning with accommodation how best to approach that how best to deal with accommodation services if you've got halls of residence if you haven't got halls of residence where else to look and so on First things first is that you need to start building that relationship as soon as humanly possible. You need to fully understand how your accommodation services work. This is where uh, we actually had a member, a dedicated member of uh, our student union staff working with us very closely on this event because she was the person in the know about how these systems worked, who the right people were to talk to. You also need to understand you know, what you're aiming for in terms of accommodation numbers. You also never put any money down at all for your accommodation before you've actually started selling tickets because otherwise you're just wasting, you're just wasting money. Because if you're buying up, say, 500 rooms and you don't fill those 500 rooms, you've still got to pay for them. Building the relationships is really, really important. Maintain that relationship with your um, with your accommodation manager, whether it be yourself uh, or your student union, because you know these are the people that that will make or break your conference. If no one's got anywhere to sleep, you will go down in history for fairly infamous reasons. With, with the accommodation, you need to be realistic, you need to give people a choice, uh, you need to give people pricing options, you need to give um, people a variety. You also have to factor in the logistics of where people are staying, up against where they'll be eating, where they will be having the lectures uh, and the, the conference part, where they are in, in relation to the event, the event location where the awards and the dinner is going to be held. You know, people don't want to be trekking for hours and hours. Things like if, oh, well, I've gone and left something in my room, I can just pop back and get it. Then that's a lot easier than saying, geez, I've got to walk like two hours in order to get to the other side of campus, which I don't know. So I'm going to get lost. You know, these are all very, very important things because accommodation has such a central focus point for students attending this event. 
it's such a small little detail, but I'll call it the bat phone, let's say. Mm. It's such a simple idea, but you give one of your team at any given time over the weekend, you give them a prepaid mobile yeah. phone with like 10 quid credit in it and that phone number you then put that onto the delegate pass yeah this and then included in the welcome pack so you know if it's got like a lanyard attached or whatever it may be and it's got That's... a little campus map it's got the phone number on there and if somebody finds themselves just stranded and they don't know where they are or they can't find their way back to the halls or to the awards or whatever it is just give the bat phone a ring yeah. and then there's somebody there that's exactly what we did with Nasta 40. And we had one of our one of our team members who was uh, who was in charge of of that very phone. You know, it started ringing at about eight o'clock in the morning yeah. on the Friday, um, and was used throughout the whole weekend. People getting lost, people trying to find find accommodation, people having issues getting up from the train station. That phone number combined with a small map that we put on all the lanyards on the back of the welcome packs, pretty much everywhere enabled us to really really quickly respond to any any problems at all it's those little simple details those very very often overlooked but actually incredibly practical and helpful details that will make your conference go from you know okay to efficiently well run and will be remembered some unis, the halls of residence, are empty over the Easter holidays, but some aren't. And we had a situation in Glasgow in 2010 where we didn't have the use of our halls of residence. We got in touch with a group called the Glasgow City Marketing Bureau. And of course, different cities, different towns will have their own versions of this. It's affiliated to the local council. And through them, we found rooms at places like Premier Inn. And they actually, in that specific instance, they even handled the entire booking process for us. It was made it so much easier. And then what we ended up then doing is just getting a fleet of coaches on a sort of circular service at the mm. peak times to bring people to and from the Premier Inns in the city centre and the campus. And in actual fact, it all added to the event. It all added to a sense of camaraderie with the people on the coaches. Yeah, there there are tremendous amounts of opportunities. You know, if if you don't have the halls available, you know, get clever with it. So let's move on to the main event of the weekend, the evening itself, the awards, the dinner. How best to go about choosing your venue? Do you stay within campus? Do you automatically go with your main auditorium of your student union? Do you look outside? Your decisions for venues in terms, well, pretty much with, with, with anything that requires a venue, you need to look at how it is going to reflect what you're, you're, you are trying to do with the event. If, for example, you know, you're on campus nightclub and you try and host a full three-course black tie dinner in a room that everybody knows is a student nightclub, how do you think that that's going to reflect on your event when people turn up and they walk through those doors and they go, oh, okay, this is a student nightclub? What we did with Master 40 is that we used our, our, our grand hall and actually built our own dining establishment. I mean, it's been used before for, 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 for meals and, and receptions and dinners and things, but it was such a huge space that we, you know, we could afford to be really sort of versatile with it. And bearing in mind that people, you know, very much go on first impressions. If you're choosing a venue and when you've dressed it up and you've made it spectacular and people come through the door and you can hear the audible, you know, intakes of breath or you can hear the people saying, wow, this is amazing. Then you've done your job right. 
you need your spaces to be versatile enough that you can do a lot with them. Uh, you need them to also be affordable. You need them to also be able to facilitate a full dinner service. This is something that, again, we're coming back to this, this idea of it's the little logistic points. It's the practicalities and realities. Is there enough space for the entire catering team to waiter um, efficiently and effectively? get the food on the tables in time, deliver the food when it's still hot, um, deliver it in, in a correct and appropriate order. When we were doing NASA 40, we chose to do it within campus, partially because we knew the spaces and there was a lot that we could do with them, partially because we again wanted to create this sort of local feel, this idea that it was, it was a University of Exeter event. Um, it wasn't just a student union event. And it was also because, you know, it was it was affordable. We were able to use it because it was, you know, we, we had had the event moved under the umbrella of the University of Exeter. You know, it, that then gave us much greater leniency and flexibility into what we could do. Student unions only have a have a limited access to, you know, to, to certain establishments for private dues. But, you know, bringing the sort of the weight of, a, of your whole university does give you significant advantages. Now, one of the major elements, which is, I suppose you would say, not quite as tangible as your, your venue, your award ceremony, your accommodation, is the whole issue of judging. And then by extension, we'll come to some second workshops. Going back to what we've you know been saying a few times, it's it's getting those relationships early. The majority of people that we sourced were alumni, or they came from connections of alumni. We worked very closely with our alumni office, you know, when we were planning the event, so as to create this, you know, again a local feel. It's a university event, you know. We work very very closely with our alumni office. These are the people that have the emails, the phone numbers, the you know the contacts of what people are doing now you know who is you know who is still involved who would still be interested it's having those those relationships you know if you know of someone who is you know related to the university who's in the field that you're focusing on bringing them into the fold very very early again saves you a huge heap of trouble there are some pre-existing judges who have been you know working with master every year but again, if you want to set out your your identity as as an event, you want to create your own individual unique brand as an event, you need to go for new people. You need to get those new perspectives. You need to get those new insights because that's how as an event and also as, as an association, you can grow. Work with your alumni. They're the people that have the best information. Just sitting around and asking each other, oh, do you know of anyone? You say, yeah, I know of someone who, a friend of a friend, works in the BBC. Frankly, that's not going to hack it because that's too tenuous a connection for that person to get involved. You need to have somebody on your team go speak to the alumni office, explain what you're trying to do, explain why you're doing it, explain you know what you're planning to do, what your vision is for the event and why you're approaching them and why it's a good idea for them to get involved. I mean, some stations have stronger connections in terms of alumni with people in the industry and so on. But one other thing that's worth just emphasizing itself, because I think this has sort of been lost to the sands of time recently, is that you do get stations working together as NASTA host. I mean, there are instances of the host station in terms of location and 
venue and so on, effectively sort of branching out the judging process to another station, perhaps one that has stronger link in the industry and perhaps mm-hmm. has a better, thicker sort of contacts book when it comes to potential judges and potential workshop hosts. And of course, the other thing to emphasize as well is get in touch with Pasta because that's what Pasta's there for. That's yeah. why Pasta actually exists. You need to start approaching people from September. Yeah. Um, you need to have those names committed because what you're asking of them, you know, to do, you know, to do work for you for free further down the line and, you know, and sit and commit to several hours of, of sitting and, you know, being really critical about a lot of student television. That That's a lot for you to ask of them. Um, Pasta is a, a, a fantastic resource. It also helps with the hype of the event as well. If people are able to, you know, say, oh, you know what, I've just got off the phone with X and Y from the BBC and I'm speaking to Z from ITV, you know, really early on and, and people are actually starting to talk about this, then, you know, how incredible is that for your team morale to become, yes, we're actually dealing with the people that we aspire to be involved with. It's how we were able to get onto the ITV news through making those early contacts, through, through the exceptional work of the person on my team you know, whose responsibility was that. I mean, people do drop out. It's what happens. Things fall off. Um, things break. Things don't go to work. People get called off, you know, to, to, to cover stories or, or whatever it may be. So it is worth having a few other names, you know, in backups. Get your get your, your, your primary focuses and then you've got your secondary and, and worst case scenario, you've got your tertiary as ultimate backup should people fall you know, fall through, and they will. Now, how did you best approach the workshops in terms of not just availability of potential speakers, but straightforward things like just asking the stations outright, just ask the stations well in advance, what would you like to see in the weekend in terms of workshops? Yeah, I mean, this this actually relates very much to the role that I now do professionally as, as a conference producer, which is listening to, asking questions of people uh, and listening to their responses to help shape the agenda of the event. There, there are always your, your obligatory technical workshops. You're presenting one, uh, and then you know maybe maybe a news one. I think often often comes up, and those are the absolute stalwarts. And those you know they they have to be workshops that relate directly to the really sort of the big challenges and the main things that that, that student TV does. However, in order to make it a fully rounded, really interesting, you know, again, we're talking, you know, trying to make it the best it possibly can be here. You need workshops that are going to attract people who are, they're going to be willing to get out of bed on the Saturday morning to go and listen to these people talk, particularly if you're paying expenses to those people to get them down to your event. You want to be able to ensure that you're able to to, to fill to fill, you know, or, or at most, you know, fill the majority of, of an auditorium or a lecture theatre. Also, it reflects on you as an organiser as well. If you create uh, an agenda uh, or, you know, a conference plan of, you know, the workshops that you're going to be covered, you invite speakers and then people don't show up because they're not interested, then kind of who's to blame for that? You need to have rock solid content, particularly as we're now at a very, very important stage with, with NASA conferences as I'm sure everyone is very, very well aware, this is an opportunity to rebuild on making it as professional and as as beneficial, educational, developmental, inspirational, informative, educational, I think I've already said that one, you know, (laughs) as possible. Because a lot of the people who are, you know, will do possibly, you know, maybe two, maybe three at most of these conferences 
and then go out into the big wide world and are trying to get jobs in the media industry. You're not going to have the experience except of what you did in university and maybe if you're lucky you got some work experience in your holidays. If you don't get the best possible advice from the best possible people on the area that you want to go in while you're still a student, which is the most invaluable stage, then it's going to be really, really hard. And if you are producing a conference that prides itself on trying to be the best it can possibly be, not just for yourself, not just for your station, not just for your university, but for your delegates as well. You need to be providing them with the information that they want because, you know, we're all people that are wanting to go into that industry. I'm approaching it from a different direction, but having those best, the best possible people speaking at your event gives your delegates the chance to come out of those lectures with notebooks full of notes all the questions that they've had, you know, for years asked, you know, the really good ones, the really stupid ones, uh, and, and, and to make them more confident going, you know, in, into the next stage, which they will be doing perhaps at the, you know, within a few months, perhaps within a year or so. So that that is how, you know, I, I would approach. Now, I think we need to start approaching it in that sense. Don't overlook the importance of the bodges on Saturday morning because that's your chance to actually have everybody go out for an hour and then yeah. you can get the in, workshop set up. In the sun. Well, you know, and then you've yes. got the golden bodge. You've got, you know, everybody's off either. Well, ideally, everybody will be at the golden bodge having the time of their lives. But of course, there are going to be a few who are perhaps worse for air in their beds. Pace yourself. Yeah, exactly. Looking at the, the weekend itself overall, how best to just keep things running smoothly throughout the weekend any other little tips i mean we mentioned earlier on about the lanyards with the map and the phone number but having yeah. your crew there with the the obvious colored t-shirts of so that delegates can spot them a mile off yeah. any other little tips tricks like that that you can utilize throughout the weekend break the weekend down almost by the half hour and and do that for everyone on your team everyone who is who is involved you and your team and your you know and your broader team as well need to know exactly where to be at what time more in the sense of your your immediate your your sort of your command structure you know everyone needs to know where everybody else is for example i knew that you know while i had one guy out working with all the arrivals i had somebody else building the building the sets and 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 decorating the um the the hall where the venue would be for the next night i knew where you know people were you know pretty much by the hour i had a timetable for everyone with names saying you know who was going to be where and when so i could always sort of find them you know it's those it's those little things that that mean that you're not running around like headless chickens trying to find you know, trying to find people and say, oh, my God, we've got to do this now. Oh, my God, we've forgotten to do this because you don't want to be doing that. A, at four o'clock in the morning on Saturday when you know that everybody's going to be, you know, in, in breakfast at eight and they're going to be, you know, going straight out for, for the Golden Bodge. Nor do you want to be doing it at three o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday when everybody is about to, you know, to come down in like three hours to the awards dinner and you've still not got a lot of things ready. It's those, it's those things that, that do make the difference. It's that extra level of organization that will make or, or break, not necessarily the conference, but, but you as an organizer and you as a team, because then things do get missed because you're starting to prioritize one thing over another. So that is, that is really, really essential. And you've got to be, again, it goes back way to what we said at the start. You've got to be able to trust your team. 
um, to get on with the job. They need to know what they're doing and you just, you know, maybe pop in, check and see how they're doing, offer a hand if they need it. If not, crack on, move on to the next area um, and make sure that that's being catered for. The way that you deliver an exceptional event is, as we've said, make sure that all the areas are catered for to the best that they possibly can be. And again, I suppose you'd say that the SU is your friend. I mean, the student union and the people who work there day in, day out, they have experience of yeah. staging events probably every weekend. Oh, my God, use use your student union as much as possible. You know, we, we work really, really close with them from the word go. These are the people that have the ground knowledge. These are the people that, that know the contacts, know the people to speak to, um, you know, know the health and safety rules. However, there is a caveat to that. Do not let your student union take over the running of the event. Do not allow the NASTA conference to become a student union event. It is not a student union event. It is a student TV event. It is a student television station event. And therefore, it should be run by the student television station. This is something that we made very, very clear. You know, my entire committee for, for NASTA 40, we had one permanent member of union staff who sat on that committee, basically as our, you know, as our sort of our seasoned professional in, in doing this. You know, she does this stuff day in, day out and delivered, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of events. But I sat at the head of that committee and I, I treated my team, you know, with the utmost respect and you know and capability we worked with the union very very closely so that we knew what you know we knew what we were doing in the areas that we we, we didn't have any prior knowledge of um, we used their advice and their guidance but we maintained at all times that it was a student run event run and organized and delivered by students for students but you know you have to use your student union contacts you need to work with them really really closely but i i, I do I do emphasize, do not let your union take over. This event is for you and it is for your student delegates. It's not a student union event. It is a student TV event. And to wrap up, I'm going to ask you for your final thoughts on two different levels. One, I'm going to ask you for your final thoughts for people who are listening to this right now, considering bidding to host NASTA next year. And then also... Just any other advice you can give to then somebody who's actually got it, to somebody who's had the confirmation in the hand, you are hosting next year's NASTA. What last words of advice would you give? If you feel that you are capable of achieving something special, unique, that showcases the very, very best of yourself and your student television station, something that is a, a rare privilege, something that will be remembered then you should put yourself forward for this event in doing so you need to have the best detailed plan that you can possibly have it needs to be less of we would like to do this it needs to be we will do this these are the approximate costs as they stand this is where we would put people this is how we are going to approach the marketing. This is how we're going to approach areas X, Y, Z and everything in between. And if you can actually deliver this event to the to the standard that is expected of you, not by your union, but by the hundreds and hundreds of delegates that will turn up because they will be the most vocal critics or supporters of your event. For someone who, if you've got the event, congratulations email me and or, or get you know, get someone to to put you in touch with me 
I, I've said that I will, you know, I'll help mentor as much as possible to give all the advice I can give. You need to start working on this now. You need to start putting things into action uh, right away. And you need to build your team as soon as possible. You need people that you can trust. You need people who are going to be able to commit as fully as you are. And if you are the host coordinator, be ready for what will be the most exhilarating, the most challenging, the most difficult, toughest months of your life so far, most likely. You are going to have to be working on this every single day. You will have to be thinking about it every single day. If you're not thinking about it every single day or you're not working on something relating to it, then chances are you've missed something and something is wrong and needs attention. Don't be afraid to put your foot down on decision points. Listen to your team. Trust your team. Delegate to within an inch of your life because there are things that you're, you're going to be as busy as anything. And see how accommodating your university will be you know, to, to, to help you out, not just from the event, but also, you know, from an academic side as well, because this is a very, in order to give this event the prestige and the uh, and, and the level that it requires, you have to give 100% commitment. You want to go down, you know, in NASTA history for, for delivering an exceptional conference. I feel that we did that with NASTA 40. I'm still incredibly proud of it to this day. It has put me in the position where I am now. It gave me unbelievable amounts of experience, put me in touch with, with all sorts of fantastic and wonderful people. And it's still remembered. And as we said before, it's a real privilege to be NASA host. And it's something that most people don't get to do. And if you're in that position, congratulations and absolutely grasp it and enjoy it. Yes, else. enjoy it. It is so exhilarating. You are the only person in the entire world that is doing what you are doing. If that doesn't simultaneously excite you and terrify you, then something's really wrong. It is a, a highly privileged role. Uh, with it does come you know, great responsibility. But if you apply yourself and, and considering that people you know, have already displayed their faith and their confidence in you by giving you this role, by voting for your station to host it because of the work that you've already done with it, then that's a good indication that you know, you're going to do okay. I want to say thanks very much to Hugh Blackstaff for joining us on this edition of the PastorCast. As he said, Hugh is happy to hear from you if you have a query relating to any aspect of the NASA Awards and Conference Weekend. You can email him at hblackstaff at gmail.com. And of course, you can get in touch with Pasta, the alumni branch of NASA, in case you didn't know already, by tweeting us at NASTA alumni or by emailing alumni at nasta.tv. And tell us what topics you'd like to hear discussed on a future show. Now, it's approaching the end of term, things are winding down, but here on the PastaCast, we're just getting started. There'll be new additions throughout the summer, so make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Follow NASTA alumni on Twitter for all the details. Meanwhile, thanks for listening to the PastaCast. <laughs>